Welcome to another episode of Accessibility Insights. I'm your host, Robin Christofferson. I'm Head of Digital Inclusion at AbilityNet, a pioneering UK charity with a mission to make a digital world accessible to all. In this series, I will be interrogating heroes of digital inclusion from across sectors and around the world. You can download a transcript of the podcast from www.abilitynet.org.uk forward slash accessibility dash insights. So sit back, grab your favourite beverage and let's get started. Welcome everyone. This podcast is brought to you by AbilityNet. AbilityNet's TechShare Pro is Europe's leading accessibility and digital inclusion conference. It's running online in November. That's the 15th, 16th and 17th. And you can grab your streaming only tickets or access everything with our community tickets at TechSharePro.com. This is so brilliant. And the symmetry is just fantastic because we finished the last season of Accessibility Insights speaking to Anita Mortelloni of Xbox, which obviously is a Microsoft um, product or a kind of ecosystem. And uh, we've now got Hector Minto to kick off the next season. Hector, absolutely brilliant to have you on. The busiest guy in inclusive uh, accessibility and really really amazing to have you here we've managed to grab half an hour of Hector and uh, I couldn't be more pleased than kicking off the new season speaking to you how are you I'm really well thanks for inviting me uh, I love that I love that intro I feel I feel busy <laughs> uh, but it's good it's good to be busy and uh, you know and I, I think we're you know in my, in my time in the assistive technology world it's never felt more that we're part of that kind of mainstream conversation right so so you know I think that me being busy is a sign of the fact that I think we're getting somewhere on accessibility. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And we're going to talk about uh, mainstream versus uh, specialist a little bit later on. So we start off every one of these sessions asking you what your kind of poison is, your beverage of choice to help you get through, through this ordeal. I've just got a normal cup of coffee here. Okay. Well, I haven't got it with me, but uh, through the pandemic, before, before the pandemic, I was already one of those sourdough guys, you know, I love a kind of a process. So now I am a kombucha guy. I make kombucha at home, I promise. Uh, I'll bring you some next time I see you up in. But uh, just one of those mindful things that I can kind of, you know, make myself. Kids have fizzy drink in the fridge all the time. Uh, I'm a little bit addicted, embarrassingly. <laughs> wow. I mean, I like Marmite. And Marmite is like the epitome yeah. of what people either love or hate. And kombucha is a little bit like that, I think. It's a, it's a lot like that. Yeah, yeah. I was reading mean, quite a few kind of screwed up noses as uh, people have, have tasted my uh, my early efforts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Okay, let's kick off by looking back. We're certainly going to look ahead, hopefully, a little bit later on. Um, let's talk about accessibility and inclusion over the last, say, 10 years. Mm. Along kind of, A lot has happened in the last 10 years. I'm thinking rise of mobile. I'm thinking specialist versus mainstream, etc. So what do you think has changed in this landscape um, over that long time frame and maybe a little bit more recently as well? And, yeah. uh, you know, what kind of forces are at play? 10 years is a long time, right, Robin? I mean, you know, and, and I think we sometimes forget just how long 10 years is. Uh, but my biggest reflection on this is, well, two, twofold, the changing relationship of humans with technology. You know, it's not that people go to work to use tech now. It's not that people go to school to use technology. We live with technology. And, uh, you know, we did 10 years ago, but goodness me, like 
everything is digital now. You know, you can't watch a TV program now without being invited to to engage digitally, right? Uh, You can't listen to a a parliamentary discussion without them making reference to websites or services. And so, you know, this whole dependence on technology is is on the rise. Of course it is. We know that. And that's going global. And, And that's a that's an opportunity for us all in the accessibility space to kind of expand our, our, our reach. But, but when I talk to people about this topic, it's always, look, you can't live without technology now. We used to talk about the internet as a human right, and everyone kind of screwed their nose up a little bit at us and sort of went, what, really? Come on, it's not really a human right. Look, it really is becoming a human right now. You know, if, you, if you're disconnected mm-hmm. through social, social or economic circumstances, you are you know, you are excluded from society. And accessibility is exactly that same kind of topic. It's mm-hmm. if you cannot access that service, you're excluded. And that becomes, that, that starts impacting your, your existence, your human rights, right? So, so I think the biggest change for me is this, this ex- expansion of technology into all of our lives, all of our lives, and this, this, this real focus now that we need to put on the fact that people with disabilities will be materially impacted by that digital transformation if we don't put real focus on accessibility. So that's that's kind of my, my, my kind of uber kind of reflection on the last 10 years. Um, and then the second one, I think, is, you know, the reason I joined Microsoft six years ago now was because, honestly, I mean, I've been doing 26 years in assistive tech now. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> okay. uh, 26 years, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, it took me 20 of those years to get to Microsoft. Yeah, you know, before that, it was always like we were building assistive technology around the ecosystem and didn't really have a dialogue with with big tech. Uh, now, what we're, what all of us are doing, you know, Microsoft, Google, Apple, we're all communicating and engaging with the disability community to ensure that 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 you help us maintain this focus uh, on accessibility. So, so mainstream tech is the other kind of reflection is that they've recognized their responsibilities have changed uh, from being an add-on, you know, uh, you know, uh, a passion project for some, you know, uh, or somebody else's product that needs to be accessible and then being compatible with their systems. And it's, you know, it's really starting to be embedded within mainstream technology, things that we never thought we'd see in mainstream tech, you know, are now there. And so that's the other thing that, that, that comes with challenges. So maybe if I can, if you can allow me a kind of a third reflection uh, is, you know, we've got to take the assistive tech world with us. You know, it's like, it's not, it's not free to sell assistive technology or to raise awareness costs money and budgets to actually raise awareness about accessibility. Um, and and one of the reasons that assistive technology has cost so much in the past is because the cost of sale is so high. Mm-hmm. So for those specific bits of technology, what we've got to do is the mainstream tech world is take the assistive technology providers with us on this journey to expand their reach globally uh, and make sure that actually that we recognize there's a role for both, you know, the, the specialist tech and the mainstream tech in, in this space. Is that a decent starter for... <laughs> That's brilliant. I mean, there's this huge sort of uh, blurring of yeah. the edges between specialist yeah. and mainstream, because like you were saying, the, the mainstream providers like Microsoft have really stepped up their game and recognised that this is, you know, something that could benefit everyone and really have put in some top quality um, mm. uh, features and functionality that really have in some ways... Um, eaten into the the need for specialist and you know relatively high cost 
because mm. of the you know economy of scale isn't there and that sort of thing. I would love talking about government um, hearings for the government to fund a lot more AT because we'd really mm. get the economy of scale there. But um, yeah, absolutely. I think there's one thing there as well, Robin, to think about is uh, if you think back, people used to define themselves by their technology. So a Dragon user, let's just pick on that one, you know, a voice control uh, you know, PC user uh, would say, I'm a Dragon user. I think now they say, I use voice yeah. because they, they've got voice on their phone. They've got voice dictating windows. They've got programmatic control coming in windows this year. But there are times when they need all the macro support of a product like Dragon, you know, with all that specialist kind of coding they've created for themselves to optimize their, their use of it. So we've we've got to help people stop defining themselves by a single piece of technology and start talking more umbrella terms about I'm a screen reader user yeah, or I'm a I'm a voice user or uh, I use magnification and not say you know not you know not not hang our hat on a single product i think that helps all of us then exist or coexist uh, in that space yeah because there are many different screen readers for example in the devices yeah. that i use and they're all really really good really fit for purpose mm. so it's really weird, though, talking to you about specialist versus mainstream because, you know, it started with the accessible Xbox games controller. Yeah. And now you guys have, have actually branched out a little bit more in quite significant ways into specialist, which I would not have been I would not have <laughs> predicted several years ago. So do you want to just briefly talk about the, the newest additions? Sure. So we're not quite quite there yet. So you know, it'll be actually just a few months away now. Uh, it will release the the the, the Microsoft Mouse, uh, the adaptive mouse. Uh, it's it's really an extension of the Xbox adaptive controller. If you think about it, you know what they did there with the Xbox controller is they said, look, this 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 design of a controller with all of the complexity of buttons just doesn't work for a whole lot of people with physical disabilities. And so uh, we adapted it so you could essentially configure your own Xbox adaptive controller with a series of, of switches and things. Uh, so for people kind of trying to imagine what that is, think of driving a car, but putting a switch, a head switch on your left and a head switch on your right, and you'd be able to steer left and right on the car That's rather than scary. having to rather than having to use that joystick. Right. Uh, and and, and so, so people started building their own rigs. And that led to a load of further engagement with the community of people with physical disabilities of all of all types. Uh, and, and the logical place for a company like Microsoft to go was the mouse, right? You know, Microsoft kind of you know, invented the mouse, right? <laughs> you know, so, so we're kind of coming back to kind of a little bit of a reinvention. The adaptive mouse is, is, is going to allow you to essentially 3D print your own tail. That's the first option. Um, so regardless of what you require in terms of the size and the and the and the molding of that mouse into your into your hand, uh, you're going to be able to get a load of designs open source or design your own uh, using CAD and then download and print out, 3D print out your own tail that will clip into your mouse. That's the first configuration. But then the other smart thing is it comes with a, with a hub that allows you to create extra switches and macros for things that you commonly do. So if you wanted to have a kind of a... Uh, turn on my camera in Teams and the mute button, yeah, or, or whatever your configuration is, you can configure that now all to a single switch. So we're going to ba basically reinvent the, the physical presence of the mouse, but then also add in this extra configurability of the mouse. The third option is that it comes with a, like a, a D-pad. For those familiar with the Xbox, again, you've got that kind of that D-pad up, down, left, right option as well. Uh, that will act as your mouse. 
but then that gives you kind of a joystick mouse. Uh, and so lots of people are now already looking at different molds and, you know, occupational therapists are going to be super interested in this mm-hmm. product because mm-hmm. it's going to be off the shelf, very low cost, yep. but then fully configurable to give people computer access. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, 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 I, I didn't think, I didn't know how quickly we would get there on Microsoft providing, uh, you know, specialist assistive technology. Is the mouse specialist, though? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I'm hoping personally that those that utility that it comes with um, allows me to configure those macros and things from the keyboard as well. That might be cool. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, like any of these things we never know what people are going to do with them I, I, you, you know you know seeing ai robin my favorite story about seeing ai was uh, a university professor who who basically had people coming in and out of his room all the time yeah you know busy university people coming in dropping mail off in his room dropping their reports in all this kind of stuff and he set up the face detection on his mobile phone, literally pointing at his door in his office so that everybody who walked in the room, he knew exactly who they were coming in the room. And I just thought, like, nobody could have imagined that that's how somebody would use seeing AI, right? <laughs> but they did, right? And so, so I'm, I feel like that with the mouse. I'm looking forward to, uh, like, there are going to be some some really interesting applications that, that people will start, will start mm-hmm. doing with this because we've essentially created something that's really, really configurable. And isn't that what accessibility is? Like just, it's allowing you to personalize your experience. Yeah. It's absolutely choice for people with disabilities. It's like potentially their only choice, but for other people it's extra choice. And in some cases like the adaptive Xbox controller, you know, people without impairments have been using it to up their high scores and that sort of thing. So (laughs) absolutely. And there's also, also the surface, um, adaptive kit with yeah. um, high vis button stickers for the you know certain keys, um, yeah. better labeling for ports and cables, an easier way to open your laptop lid, that sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah, like a like a like a loop for your for your lid of your laptop to allow you to attach a lanyard. Uh, people have been using that in all sorts of ways. In fact, I've got it on my laptop here uh, with Windows key Shift S because I do a lot of screen snipping, and it's just one of those key presses that you know I just want to. It, I've just got the lot. I've got the location buttons on there, mm-hmm. so I can very quickly access those buttons. Uh, the other thing, just quickly on this, is is that the Surface Adaptive Kit, the Microsoft Mouse, and all these sorts of things, they're going to be mainstream available, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing that that we need to do on the topic of disability inclusion and accessibility is is let people see that it's just there, right? You know, it, it's it's there when you buy your laptop. So every human buying a Surface uh, online now, when they get it they'll be offered a Surface Adaptive Kit. You know, for $15, it's a small cost extra on, on top. Uh, lots of discussions about that. Uh, but essentially, it's there. It's sort of saying, do you want this? And so that also helps to raise awareness that people with disabilities use technology and people become intrigued by that. So, uh, yeah, so I think the, the other part of this is the is is the fact that a mainstream company is, is saying this is a common part of what we do and, and you should think about it. Absolutely. Awareness is key. And we're going to come back to that a little bit later on as well. So let's talk about the pandemic then. So the last Mm -hmm. two years, (laughs) two plus years, um, obviously everything's changed. But what do you think Microsoft's role in accessibility in particular across the pandemic has been? And, you know, have you had personal experience in the shift or or, or organisationally, you know, in the shift to home working, for example? What has Microsoft Mm. learned 
throughout. It's probably the, the, the part of the podcast where, where, where I tell people what I actually do <laughs> for, for a living. Yeah. Uh, so, so I, you know, my job is to get globally our field organization engaging with our customers proactively on the topic of accessibility. So first thing we want every business to do that we engage with is to, is to leverage the investments we make. You know, we put a lot of effort into accessibility in our products. And yet we still walk into businesses where people don't know that there are captions in Teams or that you can add word prediction to your keyboard or how to magnify. I mean, like, like people don't know these things are available. And so people are struggling within the major employers around the world uh, with their technology or, or certainly not optimizing their digital experience. So my role is essentially to work with our teams to help people unpick this within their own organizations. The pandemic uh, was just a... Honestly, it was a it was just one of those moments where people started to realize how much disability they had in the infrastructure of their of their organizations. Yeah. So the the, the coping and the covering and the kind of the, the life hacking that people had done in the physical office to maybe just not make their disability something they talked about, you know. So people who were losing their hearings, a great example, um, would would make sure they turned up early in a meeting room. You know, we're able to lip read the presenter and, and, and they got by. But the pandemic sent everybody home, you know, and, and into a different way of working. And so what it led to from a Microsoft perspective, honestly, was a lot of customers coming to us and saying, help. Like, we didn't know we had 300 people with hearing loss and we haven't turned the captions on in Teams. Yeah, we've in fact we've locked it. We've stopped it. How do you let? How do you how do you turn this back on, please? Yeah, it was it was things like that that started to happen. So, Dad, our disability answer desk, which is available for consumers but also available for businesses, any business around the world can can come and talk to us about accessibility. Um, our our global use of that doubled. You know, so through the pandemic, our numbers doubled, our call volume doubled mm-hmm. uh, on it. So people were turning to us because. The new, ex- the new experience of disability was happening for people. Uh, even those people who were using successfully assistive technology in the workplace were suddenly having to try and kind of get past the firewall at home with their assistive technology. So there were new issues as people kind of tried to set up at home with their with their assistive tech. So so this it, you know, it really has been an opportunity to have a conversation about accessibility with a much larger group of people. So when you just introduced me as kind of one of the busiest people in <laughs> In the business, it got busier during the pandemic. I promise you. You know, companies that I had never met before were suddenly getting in touch and going, "We've got these twelve colleagues who are just telling us that they, you know, there's, there's a problem now with Teams. Come and talk to us about it. How how can we help?" The the beauty there is that when we get in and have that conversation about those twelve colleagues, is that we then get a chance to talk about the thousands of colleagues that they actually have mm-hmm. with dyslexia, some vision loss or, you know, some visual impairment, uh, some hearing loss. And so they start to recognize this is a bigger topic than they first thought. So so the pandemic has really put a focus on uh, this new exclusion for a lot of people with disabilities. The other the other reflection I've got on this is a lot of people have, have kind of come to Microsoft to sort of say, how did you do the pandemic? So over the last six years, specifically, I would say, you know, we've, we've, we've tried to get out there and say, Here's how we do this. Everything from our, our, our events to our internal training. You know, accessibility is mandated for every single Microsoft employee now. How do you get an organization to that, right? Is, is something people ask us all the time. The pandemic really kind of led a lot of organizations to say to us, how do you do accommodation? 
How do you do manager training? How do you have a conversation uh, about budgeting for assistive technology in, inside teams? And so um, it, it's been an unpicker in some ways, Robin, is my, is my reflection. Um, I think also governments have kind of <laughs> had to had to really start thinking a little bit harder about accessibility, or in fact, a lot harder. So I remember at the start of the pandemic, the, the now-gone health secretary said, don't worry, all of your appointments can be digital, and we're going to make sure that, you know, that that's possible for people. And it was like, oh, really? Uh, <laughs> we better think about accessibility if you're going to be able to do that. So, so you know, as it, it, rapid digital transformation is the other thing that's happened through the pandemic, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I always see that as an opportunity. You know, there are risks. But I always see it as an opportunity to kind of, again, flag the accessibility conversation. Absolutely. I mean, talking about government, the worst Wi-Fi for government meetings is when they're held at the House of Lords. It's <laughs> absolutely atrocious and they only apologise for it. So, yeah, I mean, it's really kind of kicked uh, several gears up in people's prioritisation oh, of connectivity, of inclusion. Yeah. Hybrid is the new <laughs> normal and that has a lot of challenges i mean come on we all we all saw didn't we um don't worry, let's not pick on politicians too much but you know we all saw didn't we the recordings of the council meetings you know people trying to use their technology and you know i think you and i robin work in a world where we just think everybody knows how to use this stuff uh but no, no, you know, people don't know how to use technology and, and a lot of people don't know how to use it. And so, you know, when we when we saw people struggling with how do I come off mute and we we're all shouting at the screen, control shift, you know, just yeah. oh, hit, hit your space bar, mate, hit your space bar. <laughs> you know, it's, it, 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 you know we, we take it for granted. This also should kind of help us reflect on accessibility. You know, people, yeah, the knowledge is just not there. Uh, and so th- these are always opportunities to kind of raise with government that digital skills you know, are critical uh, for people. And we've got to, you know, we've got to spend time there. Absolutely. Teams has got about 58 different hotkeys <laughs> and I know them all. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Cool. So, control um, shift enter or control enter. Is that your favourite? Back yes, to the home? It is. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so let's uh, just talk about, um, you know, we're not there yet. There is no. still a long way to go. Um, what do you think then is the next, we'll, we'll kind of, take us up another gear yet is it kind of more awareness that we talked about earlier is it um better legislation better tools what do you think you know what where's microsoft's i know where your focus is it's in industry it's in government it's in the end user but you know what what microsoft as a whole is thinking is the the way to take us to the next level yeah so so i'm really in so it's a couple of things global awareness you know, you ha- we have to accept that we have a very Euro-US, you know, approach to accessibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how many events do we go to? And it's like, that's where the, you know, that's really where the kind of the audience is coming from. And even within Euro, I would say, you know, the UK really is kind of where a lot of the activity is, is, is happening. So, so we have got to expand globally. So a lot of my attention is absolutely on that. So I have... 15 teams around the world who are all driving out a strategy in their markets uh, on uh, awareness raising is one evangelism evangelism really matters i hate to say it you know as the lead evangelist uh, but but it really matters that you get out there and say this matters and make it almost like a social justice issue as we as we as we said at the start and then execution actually go and build the products and you know with our customers that are accessible you know microsoft is not just office and windows and you know teams 
you know, we, we support businesses around the world to build their technologies. Yeah. And that's to me where I want to take accessibility next. I really believe in this. Um, if you look at the European Accessibility Act, Robin, I know you're, 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 you're all over this, but you know, when you, when you think about ticket machines in airports, when you think about ATMs, when you think about e-readers, when you think about all of those things that the European Parliament is saying are going to need to be accessible, we're going to have to bring in the airlines, the banks, the healthcare providers. And that's where I think accessibility, that's the next generation of accessible experiences is, is industry specific. You know, Satya Nadella, I, I, I'm not one of these people who just quotes the CEO all the time, I promise. Uh, but, but, but Satya Nadella, I remember him speaking to Volkswagen, the CEO, about, like, we're not going to build your technology for you. You're going to build your own operating system in our cloud. Yeah. And, and that's it. You know, that to me is, 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 is where we're going to get to is that industries are building their operating systems. They're not going to be just using the, the, the incumbent operating systems. They're going to be looking at their entire digital strategies and owning everything all up, but it will be hosted in other people's clouds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what's going to happen is the focus on accessibility is going to also then shift to the businesses. It's not going to be about, uh, you know, uh, people using windows to make that healthcare system accessible that kiosk in that surgery is going to have to have accessibility built into it by law mm-hmm. uh, and it's you know like gdpr that was a european thing the european accessibility act doesn't need to be a european thing if you're you know turkish airlines sorry hang on hang on <laughs> singapore airlines yeah coming into heathrow with a kiosk by european law that's going to have to be accessible so it's mm-hmm. going to affect everybody mm-hmm. so my 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 kind of crystal ball on this and where i'm putting a lot of focus um, with also the, the UK government ambassadors, by the way, uh, all of the different disability ambassadors, is to start talking about what's the digital journey for each industry, not just what are the, you know, what are the gadgets going to be? What's the, you know, what, what's the mainstream technology going to be? It's like, what can industries do to think about digital inclusion? And we know they've not done a great job on websites, right? <laughs> you know, the world has not done a great job on accessible websites. You know, otherwise we wouldn't all be here. You know, you know, VillageNet wouldn't wouldn't be here if everything worked, right? It's so we're a long way daily trauma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're a long way from it. But when people start to own all of their digital estates and, and industries are starting thinking about their, their entire digital strategy, you know, think about things like open banking and what that's done for us. Mm-hmm. You know, open banking now allows you to link all your accounts into the accessible app. Mm-hmm. So you get to choose the accessible one, but still get all your banking information in that one thing. Well, open banking is massive for accessibility, but we need the banking industry to know that. Yeah. And to start, you know, making further investments in accessibility. Right. So so that's my big prediction is legislators, politicians, we've got to build awareness. We've got to stop having a conversation just about the the, the tools. And I get pulled into conversations all the time about Teams captions. I'm like, great. But where's, uh, you know, I'll just pick this out. But where's NHS captions? Right. (laughs) You know, it's not, you know, whoever's building that thing for for hospital consultations is going to need to use that cognitive service in Azure to give you the same quality of captions, right? Uh, so, so it's this idea that the very the, the conversation moves to be becoming more industry specific and the voice of disability in each of those sectors gets amplified. You know, and that 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 to me is where I get actually pretty excited. Because 26 years in, I, you know, you know, we don't want to just keep talking about the gadget. You know the thing. You know it needs to be the infrastructure that we have a conversation about. Absolutely, I'm really um, pleased that you mentioned the EAA and that it will potentially have impact in the UK because Brexit 
put paid to that becoming you know uk legislation specifically but still yeah. it's an interconnected world and i'm really really it happy is. that you think that that's still going to have an impact on us? Well, look, look I mean, we'll, we'll be putting focus on it. Trust me. Mm-hmm. You know, we, 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 we want this to be successful. You know, we, we 100% want this to be successful. And that's not me doing, you know, Microsoft PR for you. <laughs> you know, it, you know, it gives me real hope when you see a piece of legislation like that that, that, that talks about industries and doesn't just talk about, you know, woolly topics of accessibility. It actually says, hey, you in airlines are going to be responsible for your kiosks mm-hmm. yeah that that makes it tangible and it means that companies like microsoft can then go in you know the biggest force in accessibility in my view is going to be well sorry i i truly believe that we have an amazing army of people out there at microsoft going and having conversations about accessibility when the people in the accessibility space specifically in the accessibility space are not there so when I think about a Microsoft account executive, when they go and have a chat with the CIO or the CTO or the CEO of a major organization about their accessibility, even if it's just high level, that opens the door for the rest of us to go and have those conversations about how we can support it. So it, the, the, the challenge for us all is to keep getting the mainstream tech builders to buy into this topic and having Microsoft, Google, Amazon, Apple, all in there, having that conversation mm-hmm. gives permission for that to kind of, kind of happen. So yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm optimistic. I'm, I'm cynical sometimes, Robin, you know that, uh, you know, but, really? but at the same time, I, I don't think we've ever had a moment where accessibility has been at that kind of high level. We're, you know, we've, we've, we're doing okay. We're doing okay. Absolutely. I'm hugely excited about where we are today. The laser focus on digital, the fact that diversity has got such a yeah. high profile these days. And uh, yeah, really, really excited about the future. Can okay. I give you my line about diversity? So I, I, I meet a lot of, of LTs. We've got our leadership teams, uh, uh, big major businesses around the world. Uh, and, and, and quite often I'll be dragged into a room and the chief learning officer will be there thinking about their accessibility. The CIO will be there sometimes dragged <laughs> let's have a conversation I promise you. Uh, but then the dni person will quite often be there yeah and it's kind of oh, oh this is a dni topic and i'm like well it is a dni topic but it's also a deliverable yeah mm-hmm. so so i always say to people for the dni folks you've got to get more digital you've got to start building your digital skills to understand the impact of inaccessibility on people with disabilities and, and the dni conversation and you in it You've got to get way more human about your approach to technology. Yeah, You've got to start thinking about the diverse set of human beings who are going to use this system. So if you two can't find a way to work together, we're not going to make much progress. So, so yeah, getting DNI to come one way and getting IT to come and meet them in the middle is a, is a, is, is a great strategy. Brilliant. I feel like you've half answered the question that I'm going to put to you next, which was from our last speaker. We always do this. So, Anita... Yep. of xbox actually same organization um we didn't know that at the time um <laughs> ask, was asking you about how to foster diversity within an organization yeah. your organization um how to make all voices heard and how to really make it part of you know the culture and recruitment and everything but i feel like you've half yeah but we're, we're a bit short on time so maybe a, another quick comment on that yeah just quick quick one meet people where they are so we talk about a hub and spoke model at Microsoft. And so when I meet HR folk, I don't talk to them about things that are not relevant to them. I talk to them about their bits that impact the accessibility journey and what they can do. Likewise, our events teams. I mean, if you go to a Microsoft event now, you've got 
captions in six languages. You've got an audio description channel. You know, you've got all of this amazing accessibility. Like we didn't do that. The events team did that, but it was built on a baseline of knowledge. So I'm, I kind of hinted at it earlier, but essentially all Microsoft employees take accessibility training uh, now. Yeah, Once you get everybody baselined to understanding what is disability, what is the technology that people with disabilities use, and how do you build accessible experiences, everybody then starts thinking about what their bit is in there. And then the trigger for it, or, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the match, the, the match that gets struck to kind of ignite it is to recognize disability in that part of the organization. Find the voice of disability so that people can have their kind of trusted conversation with their own people. That really makes a huge difference. So I'm always delighted when I'll go and give a talk to 400 people in a, in a division at Microsoft, or I'll do a country visit. And two or three people will come up to me at the end and go, oh, I didn't tell anybody that I'm losing my hearing, but you know, you know, and I'm like, be the champion for it then. You know, you, you know, I come on, join me and you help me build this momentum, you know, in your part of it. So uncovering disability and helping people realize that actually the DNI piece, the representation makes it real for people is so important. It's so easy to kind of think this is kind of an abstract topic that affects others. The minute you find in that part of an organization, a couple of people willing to talk about their disability, they have, they, you know, the mentality changes and people actually kind of want to make progress on the topic. So, yeah, that, that would be my tip. Fantastic. We can see why you're really busy. <laughs> <laughs> so just to finish off, then, our next speaker is actually from Netflix. It's Heather Dowdy. She's director Love of Heather. accessibility. <laughs> you mentioned media accessibility in your last uh, yeah. you know, as part of your last answer there. That's spooky. So, um yeah. What uh, would you like to ask Heather? What would you like to pass on a question or a comment? Yeah. Well, my question would be, and I thought about this before, before I joined, you know, when we think about Netflix, like how do you, how do you help all of the different people feeding content into Netflix to build accessible experiences and kind of spread the load? You know, that is such an important part of this. It's when we put it all on one single organization, Accessibility is really hard, you know, and it becomes more of a kind of a policy thing. Yeah? And, 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 and policy doesn't always drive the right impact. So how do you get people to kind of just buy into the beliefs of an organization and kind of spread the load and kind of, you know, get the work done? That would be my, that'd be my question. Fantastic. That is a brilliant question. We'll put that to Heather next month. Thank you Perfect. so much, Hector. Really, really appreciate it. Love talking to you as always, and um, I hope it won't be too long before we have a good catch up again. Thanks for listening to this episode of Accessibility Insights. If you'd like more information about how AbilityNet can help you make your websites, apps, and other digital services accessible, inclusive, and compliant with current legislation, then please head over to www.abilitynet.org.uk slash accessibility hyphen services. Thanks again for tuning in and more hot discussions on accessibility in future episodes.